Sometimes chance encounters become life-affirming encounters. We're talking movies. We're talking the body remembers when the world broke open. Starring Violet Nelson and Ellie Maya Tailfeathers, who co-wrote and co-directed with Kathleen Hepper. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Uh, we're going to be doing something a bit different. Uh, we don't do a lot of experimental or documentary films, uh, but today we're going to be talking about The Body Remembers When the World Broke o- Opens by Ellie Mai Tailfeathers and Kathleen Hepburn. Uh, it's, this is a very interesting film uh, about two Indigenous women uh, that uh, come together on the street after a domestic, uh, some domestic violence. Uh, it's shot in extremely long takes. Uh, on 16 millimeters. So Scott, yeah, it'll be, let's just jump right in here. And, uh, like, what are your first thoughts on this film? Yeah. Well, before we get into it, I just want to like highlight a point you just said, I just want to give the cinematographer Norman Lee props with the system he orchestrated in called uh, real time transitioning, even though throughout this film, there is 12 cut points. It really does seem like this film was shot as one continuous shot, which I think you as a, you know, director film fucking nerd. (laughs) Yeah. No, well that, but yeah, like it, it is like, um, pretty interesting because obviously like, what was the one we watched like a couple years ago? What was the war one? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, 1918. Yeah, like that one, like that one, they threw in the CGI to kind of like cut, right? So you wouldn't really see it. But this one, like, obviously, there's no CGI. It is. It's impressive how they did it. I'm pretty sure he won an award. Yeah, he won the Canadian. He he definitely won the Canadian Screen Award for cinematography that year. Um, Yeah, so there is 12 hidden cut cut points. Uh, The fact that they use 16 millimeter film. It meant they only had 11 minutes per canister. Uh, and if you check out our show from, what is it, March of last year, of, of this year, sorry, uh, our March 19th show uh, with Mary Galloway and Allie Mae, she actually talks a little bit more about that process and how basically they would have one camera already start rolling and then they would just, at certain locations, they were handing off the camera and handing off the camera. Uh, this film specifically took uh, five days of shooting. Uh, they had to do tons of pre-blocking, right? Like, basically, you got to know where everybody's going at all times so that you can... It's 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 super choreographed when you're doing long takes like this. And again, uh, spe- uh, specifically on film, because you, you do only have so much actual film in your canister. Uh, I mean, that alone, if you're... Um, if you're a filmmaker, you should watch this film just because that aspect of it is super interesting. That said, it is not a really exciting film. Like you have no you have no edits to like, you know, create tension or everything. Everything is happening in real time in front of you. It's what, an hour and 45 minutes and it definitely you feel that hour and 45 minutes. It's it's as if you put on your phone, turned on a camera and just like watch what happened in front of you for an hour and 45 minutes, right? So I found it a challenge to watch uh, from an entertainment perspective, uh, but I definitely appreciate it as a as a film uh, example, like an experimental film. Uh, what about you? 
yeah, like because this this movie was inspired by a moment in Mrs. Tailfeather's life, uh, like it makes it more intimate. And I know this isn't the right word, but it's the only word that um, comes to mind when I think about it is that it just makes it such a depressing story. Um, Because given the events of this film, it's just so sad to see that, you know, in this day and age, stuff like this happens and happens regularly. And which basic story is, you know, you have um, an abu- a, a woman who, who's pregnant and being abused that's come out of the foster care. And during this, this hour and 45 minutes, you know, nothing, you, you think it's going to get better, but it's like the, um, the shelter woman says, like, sometimes it takes like seven or eight tries for them to leave to realize they're in this bad situation. And this isn't, this is like first try. So, you know, it's heartbreaking, like spoilers that the end of this film is her going back. Right. And knowing that it's most likely going to happen again. And it's most likely going to happen again with a newborn child in there. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, I agree with you. Like it's, it's a, it's a bit heartbreaking and you're following the whole progression, right? Like, so first off, you know, props to a Violet Nelson who this was her first role. Like she, she had really no acting experience. She plays Rosie. Uh, that lightness kind of in the cab where she's just like making up a story about uh, Maya and how, how she's like telling the cab driver like, oh, she's my sister. She's uh, she's a bit of a drunk and she's going to rehab. And just like like she she's able to go right from that to like, don't fucking touch me. Don't fucking ask me questions. Fuck you, bitch. Like on and off and on and off. And the way they shot this uh, is in a very cinema verite style right like it's it's realism like i said the it looks like all natural lighting which would have to be because you're kind of running and gunning with the camera on the topic of the camera when they're in the cab i'm like where the fuck is the camera person (laughs) like like they must be like kind of pushed right into that minivan cab and then you've got the camera operator like up in there or i don't know maybe like is the door open it doesn't feel like there's any light coming in so like is he like squished in there with his little camera kind of like trying to keep them all in frame like it, it, it again there was multiple times i'm like oh my god this fucking film looks like a nightmare to make and especially to do it in only five days like an hour and 45 minutes like basically almost like a standard feature film that people will take months to shoot and these guys bang this sucker out in five days i i should have actually asked her like what are, what their shooting days were like um i do wonder especially because you're using kind of natural light like they basically like blocked out certain stuff we're gonna we can only shoot between kind of this out these hours because the you know so that the sun doesn't feel like it's moving all over the place um i mean it is vancouver (laughs) and it looks like vancouver in the winter so it's gray all the time which is actually super beneficial um but yeah it's it's a pretty heartbreaking story um you know the performances by both of them like you don't feel like they're acting like you, you, you feel like you're literally just stepped into this real life situation and you're just like a fly on the wall yeah, it's like, you know, Canadian Truman Show, except 
not as happy, I guess. Well, and, and, and real, <laughs> like much more real. No, but, but that's what I mean. Like you're just hopping in, right? Um, but yeah, like I think the performances were spot on. And what spot on is, you know, I didn't feel like anybody was acting, right? I felt like these are real people telling real stories kind of thing. And I guess that's kind of where you're going with, you know, your intro in, ter in terms of, you know, a documentary style. Um, even though I don't think this is a documentary, it is a drama. Oh, yeah, you know, it's 100% it scripted. Play. Yeah, it's scripted, right? Yeah. So yeah, I... but it feels more like... Go ahead, go ahead, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, um, what was it, two years ago? Your uh, your best movie? What was that, The Boys in the Band or whatever? Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it feels like to me, like uh, in terms of like this seems kind of like it's a, a play on film, right? In which, you know, you could tell that like this has been rehearsed because of the limits they had in terms of filming and and the style of film they used like this was all rehearsed so by the time they're actually in front of the cameras right like it's it's like closing time at the play because they got everything like they got their marks right on and they got everything ready in which you know that's probably why it was able to do it in five days because they probably had like two or three months prior to just rehearse this constantly each day that's actually a really good point. Yeah, I never actually, I didn't even think about that aspect that they could have just like rehearsed, 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 rehearsed. And then it's like, like you just said, like, like a play it's opening night and let's go. You know what I mean? And away they went. Um, when I was just doing some of the background on this, Kathleen Hepburn had another film called Never Steady, Never Still, uh, which when I was looking at the cast, it turns out like Mary Galloway had also been in that. Uh, and then the cinematographer also worked on that with her. And so you've got these people like kind of all working together. And then Violet Nelson went uh, and worked on Night Raiders with Ellie <laughs> as well. Right. So there's this like little kind of group of uh, filmmakers and actors. Actually, I mean, uh, Mary is also a director as well. So they're all kind of working on all these projects and with all this overlap, which I, I it's always kind of cool when you start like looking at a film and like who worked on it and what other projects have they worked on and like what other connections that these people have. Um, you know, it really speaks to the collaborative nature of like film and the film community here in Canada. Like, you know, you, you find a good group of people and you tend to try and work with them as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, it's like a production company. I know Ava Mac, man, like sometimes, sometimes they, they like me, sometimes they don't. Right. Like, I don't know what I did wrong. You've been in two films. That's pretty good. One of them you uh, paid for the privilege to do. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, one I had to pay to help you out. And then like, fuck it. All right. You can have a five second scene. That's probably going to get cut in the final cut. No, it's in the film. And so is your daughter. So uh, kudos yeah. to her. Um, so do you recommend this film? Like, I mean, how did you find it a tough watch? Well, that's the thing. Like it is. It is a story of technically like this is going to sound like so fucking like I'm a newspaper critic, but you know, this is like the invisible struggle of the woman, like even watching the fucking pap smear test. I'm like, I, I don't know if I really need to watch this. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it was. And I think the reason why for me, it it was hard is similar to you it's because they were so limited right like it is kind of the same shot over and over again 
but you have to like kind of push that aside and like really like the stories in the dialogue right and you really need to pay attention to it to to get what it's going now saying that like this movie is number 30 out of 50 at cbc arts presents the um the 50 greatest films directed by canadians which that alone is like a fucking amazing achievement do you think the fact that it's got two canadian <laughs> directors helps like um you know kind of bolsters no, them up if a you bit look at, like if you look at well number one is the fast runner um Number two is Sarah Pauli's Stories We Tell. Uh, number three is The Sweet Hereafter. Number four is uh, Incendies by Dennis Villeneuve. And then let's get to. I'm know, surprised women. That's, that's actually on the topic of Sarah Pauli, though. I'm surprised women talking. Is, is women talking on that list? I don't know. I didn't go through the 50. Oh, okay. It uh, might number be, six it might is be... Crash. Then he got like. Then it gets interesting like number nine is in the heat of the night right which directed by a canadian but i don't think anything else about it was canadian i yeah i, I other than the director i would have not associated that's a fucking amazing film as we discussed on our show yeah number 10's titanic oh right? so <laughs> I, cameron yeah yeah and then number 11 was fucking terminator 2 so i really do think terminator 2 should have been above fucking titanic but you know, we'll we'll save that for another show. Agree, agree to disagree the with thing. the uh, CBC list. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like when I started going through these, like the top, I'm like, well, why the fuck is you know like Crash in it, or why the fuck is um you know Titanic in it and stuff like that? And I'm like, for it to be number thirty, I'm like, oh, if they're just literally the whole basis of this whole shit was just you had to have a Canadian director. I think that more is more kudos than anything, right? Yeah, that they ended up on a list with Terminator 2 and the Titanic and, like, Crash. Like, big, big films. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, I think, you know, should you watch it? Sure. Because, you know, like, you got to do the can-can. You got to support the Canadian product. Especially, you know, with this run and gun kind of shoot where it was only done in five minutes uh five minutes uh five days um i support it but yeah like you gotta go in knowing like it's a hard topic and it is like you know you're there for the dialogue and you know the story yeah uh when it went to the canadian screen awards as well it won it was nominated for six including best picture uh it won best directing best adapt or sorry original screenplay and best cinematography uh i should actually have gone back and looked at like who beat it for best picture uh, that year because i mean to get those nominations and you know win for screenplay and directing and then to lose out on best picture that seems uh seems interesting you know what i mean well that is canada like we're not the oscars where it's like oh if you got these two you're probably gonna get the last one we're just like listen you got two let's be nice yeah we got to share let's the wealth and everybody say sorry sorry i took your <laughs> award blah, blah blah uh i would recommend uh i watched the trailer for never said he never still and it's like super heartbreaking film about like a working class family and the dad dies and the mom's got parkinson parkinson's and the kid has to go work in the oil fields and i was just like 
all right. Um, I mean, if I'm ever feeling like I'm having too good a day, I'll just throw that sucker on and that'll bring me down. Um, I really would like to recommend that people watch uh, Ellie's documentary, The Meaning of Empathy. Uh, it's about uh, the, the opioid crisis. Uh, I don't know if it's on her reserve or just a reserve, uh, but it's a really great documentary about that subject matter. And obviously, like, check out some of the stuff that she's been in. Uh, Blood Quantum, which we love on the show. You know, rest in peace, Jeff Barnaby. Uh, obviously, she was in Night Raiders. She's also on TV in Three Pines. And she has a show that she's directing called Little Bird, which is on Crave up here in Canada. I don't know where it is, if it's outside of the country at this point. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we get out of here, Scott? Uh, no, no. Just uh, thanks again to... You know, Mrs. Tail Feathers, who came on the show while I was unable to. And I really do miss, not miss, but regret the opportunity, not having the opportunity to actually like talk and speak to her. But yeah, I would say watch all that shit that Chris just said. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. suburban man to go through this i'm like come on uh i'm like this is it was tough but yeah by the end of it i was just like you know i think that's what kind of hooked me at the end was like just like holy fuck they're, they're going back right like this isn't the happy ending this is like this is the sad shit and i guess that little hook is what made me kind of be like oh okay and it's weird but yeah it was uh sorry so, when when the kids ran in I thought, oh, that's what's going to make her stay. You know what I mean? She sees the other mom. She sees the kids. And you're like, okay, so this is where we, like, get back on track. And she's still just like, I got to get, get the fuck out of here. So, see ya. Peace. You know what I mean? Production by Rod Shaver. Fader Monkey Productions.